They usually have vendors set up on the weekends and Tori was there and just caught my eye. So I asked if I could have a reading and I want to say it was a combination of both the stones like the chakra stone reading and tarot card. Do you feel like it was insightful and helpful to you? Yeah, actually I do. It was really interesting because it resonated in that it's like whenever you get readings, there's always like a common thread in all of your readings for each individual about what they're like doing in this life or what they're trying to learn or lessons or attributes that they possess. And of course, my reading with them resonated. So because it resonated, I thought it would be a good idea for them to talk about what they do on your show. And also, I think what was so appealing about Tori is that they're very original in their presentation and very young too. So I thought that was really interesting to me. This is season six, episode six of Beyond the Illusion. Cosmic Intentions with Tori. told us about you and she had a session with you and she said it was really unique and interesting and I was just kind of wondering what a session would be like with you yeah absolutely so typically I believe what she had done with me was a chakra stone reading so it's actually a style of crystal lithromancy that I kind of developed myself I took some inspiration from your traditional like stone casting but what I had ended up doing with her was the set of chakra stones themselves, you know, we have one to each represent the chakras. So we go from like the root all the way up to the crown. To get the session started, we'll have them say their first name three times to like invite their energy into our space and kind of really own in on that, build a connection between them and myself. From there, I throw them in front of us. There's a couple different things on our like mat as well. So that main thing is going to be at the very top, there's um, a Lemurian quartz, which represents the conscious mind. And the lower portion is a Herkimer diamond, which represents the unconscious mind. Based off where the stones fall within the mat, it'll tell us if they're open, closed, active, inactive, or underactive, depending on if they are kind of a lower or like uh, lower to like the medial point of the, of the border. But yeah, typically when I do that, I use a lot of whatever falls on the placements. And then I use my intuition to kind of figure out how it's actually manifesting in their reality and how it's affecting them. And then we kind of work through any blockages that may come up, figuring out how we can start to release some of those things within the session. I also take it a step further and I do um, Reiki as well. So then I can take it to the Reiki table and do a little bit of work there to help kind of pull the energy back into the body, clean up the auric field, align the chakras and open up any opportunities for them too. I love that you combine both kind of giving them a reading and then the healing part as well, because I think that that doesn't always happen. And it's good to know what your issues are, but it's nice if you can at that moment then also have them addressed. So that's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. One of the big things my mentor kind of forced on me was making sure we're not just, you know, giving them a whole bunch of information, but actually how to solve it. Because, you know, our job is like healers and intuitives is to give them the opportunity to start helping them help themselves. 
So that's kind of what I wanted to focus on when I was building my practice. That was like the big foundational aspect of it. But it was really fun to come up with the uh, with the idea because I was just struggling with my own chakra system. And like I had my readings in the past by other practitioners and yeah, none of them really gave me the option to be like, well, here's how you fix it. And like, here's what's coming up. And like, here's what I can do for you. It was very much just like, you know, here's this information, go on with what you can. Um, so when I was able to do that for my my friends and my folks, I was really, really happy with the results. And I've heard a lot of good feedback. You know, I love that you kind of came up with this a little bit on your own, but you did mention that you had a mentor. And I'm kind of curious, like, what is your background? What did you, how did you come to do what you're doing now? Oh my goodness. Um, it's an interesting story. I am majority self-taught with everything that I do. My mentor is someone who kind of sat me down and was like, I gave them a reading and they said, this are things that I think you can improve on. And I kind of took that. Um, that was literally one session with this person. I call him my mentor because that was like that big pivotal moment for my practice. Um, and it shaped a lot of what I do now, especially with like, you know, calling in the power of three, having them say their name, you know, aligning the mind, body, and spirit in order for us to kind of access our energy. Um, but yeah, most of my stuff is self-taught through either meditation, um, extensive research, reading, and just kind of going from there and seeing how it kind of aligns with my core values and what my guides usually have to say and how they try to interact with me and you know tell me the appropriate information for what I'm doing in the moment. So um, further expanding on that, tell us about your spiritual journey. When did you realize that you had this connection and how did this connection develop with your guides and your own intuitive gifts? Yeah, kind of started, I'm going to say it started first when I was very young. You know, my grandma actually told me the story recently where I was pulling like playing cards. Like uh, we played this game called Scopa, which is like an Italian traditional card game. Um, kind of like almost like pick up. It's interesting. But apparently, according to her, I would pull cards and just tell her her future. And it was like a joke to me as a child. But I was like six or seven years old thinking like, haha, this is so much fun. And then things would start to happen. And she was very much just like, oh, this is like a little bit more. She was very Catholic. So this probably wasn't like our best, you know, <laughs> connection on that one, but it was definitely a fun little experience. And then I didn't get to really experience my gifts until I want to say like three or four years ago. So when I was about 2021, 20, I actually had a issue with addiction and working through a lot of that opened up a lot of really interesting opportunities for me because it allowed me to learn how to heal myself. And I realized that I carried my addiction from a past lifetime where I had had an overdose. And that was like a really vivid vision that I would even have dreams of as a child. Never really knew what to do with that information because it's a really big thing for a child to have and like think those type of thoughts. But it carried on throughout until I got to that point to where I was kind of getting to the same habits as an adult. Caught that and I was like, well, it's probably not great. And then in that moment, I had a partner, him and I were uh, really close and he was spiritual very into crystals very into tarot and I was kind of there like my stepmom my spiritual mom she was into it but I hadn't really experienced it for myself quite yet but he ended up gifting me a deck the hermetic tarot deck and that was like the very first one I ever had and I remember holding it and you know not really know what to do and as a joke again I just pulled cards and instantly everything started coming in very clearly one of my like my main gift that I use is, uh, I believe it's called clear cognizance, if I remember right, but it's the like clear knowing aspect. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard for me to learn how to trust that because it was really just like almost like channeling and word vomit. So it was really hard to distinguish like what was my thoughts, what was the intuitive thoughts. And then eventually I just kind of let it go, let ego step out of the way in order to give those messages instead. 
So you mentioned past lives and I'm a past life regressionist and I love talking about past lives and also addiction. I know a lot of people that is sort of an awakening point. I know a lot of people or even our past guest, Tim's nodding his head too. Yeah. That had, um, you know, something like that along the way. Did you have any past life? So obviously, like you said, these things kind of like kicked in, whether it was when you were a child playing with your grandmother or further along, um, have you had some past life memories of doing this kind of spiritual or psychic work before? Yeah, yeah absolutely. When I actually started doing a lot more past life regression within the past, like I want to say year or so is when I started trying to wake up to it, asking my guides a lot of like, show me, show me this, show me that, trying to figure out where I kind of fit in the world and figuring out where I want to take things. The really exciting thing was I learned that this is something that I've gone through in a lot of lifetimes. Like, I think the first one that I connected to, I was practicing in India and I was worshiping Ganesha, who was like my main guide. And I know they can't see me, but I have a Ganesha tattoo on my arm. And that was something that I got even before I became spiritual. So it was always a connection that I just didn't know too much about. But through research, I started learning more and more. And then I did this wonderful ceremony by myself where I just kind of laid there. I think I was in like child's pose trying to just really connect with myself. And I started having these vivid, vivid visions of me like worshiping Ganesha in front of a temple. And then in that same kind of bout, I started seeing um, Ganesha come down from like the tree of life and like he was manifesting in front of me. And that was like my very first connection with my spirit guides. That happened, that was the very first instance that happened about two or three years ago, right in the beginning of like my spiritual journey. That was probably the strongest past life connection that I do have. And I pull a lot of information now into that. And one of the cool things that I have noticed is a lot of clients and the students that I have nowadays are always connected to Ganesha. And there's a part of me that thinks that it was like that past life connection where I was in that leadership role, helping people in that temple. And um, now they're coming back to me in this lifetime to kind of have that reawakening and go through it once again. That's super interesting. You mentioned that, you know, you have students, I guess, too. And and I also saw somewhere on, maybe it was on your card that you, you're like a counselor or a coach for people. What is that process like? And, and what kind of things do you help people through with that? Absolutely. So the main thing that I focus on is I call like spiritual foundations. So I help people kind of with the like hit the ground running as far as understanding their spiritual journey. So I take them through like a five one-on-one classes of just understanding kind of where they sit and a really good way for them to kind of start to get in tune with themselves. The first couple of classes are usually about grounding work, learning how to meditate. Second class is all about clearing and understanding their energy. So just understanding where things kind of sit, giving them some information on that. The third and fourth are all about chakras. So that's like a really big thing that I use in my practice with the chakra with MNC as well. So I teach them the like basis level of everything, uh, allowing them to figure out how to access and how these things feel within themselves. So it's a lot of like inward work. With that comes a lot of shadow work too, because like once we start opening that pathway, there's a lot of things that'll come up and I help them kind of transition through that. The last class is all about practicality, where I actually teach them how to do the crystal lithomancy so they can do it for themselves moving forward. That way, if they ever have any sort of questions, they are able to look at themselves in the mirror in that capacity and just figure out where things are sitting. I also give like little pages that goes over how to work with their chakras, anything from like crystal therapy. I also do aromatherapy and sound therapy. And then there's also some affirmations on there and just some like basic little things for them to kind of use as they're building up to their spiritual journey and their practice. Wow. That's really very inclusive. That's wonderful. It's kind of covering a lot. That's a really great foundation. Mm -hmm. And I was curious, you know, what so far in this lifetime have been maybe some of your biggest challenges on the spiritual path 
ooh, imposter syndrome. And that's something that like, I feel like I'm working through every single day ever since I, I woke up to that experience. It's, it's interesting because a lot of it is like the whole self-worth aspect. And like, I always wear this golden healer quartz now, or um, I have like Kundalini citrine that I work with that really helps with like, you know, that acceptance and that self-confidence aspect. But a lot of the times, because I am fairly young compared to a lot of people within, you know, my scope of practice, they, I always used to think that people were kind of watching me or like looking down on me, which is not at all true. You know, most of our spiritual community is very uplifting. So getting past the fact that, you know, like I am worthy of these gifts, I can do what I do and trusting myself, huge, huge, huge obstacle. Um, even now, like there'll be some times where I'm in the middle of a session and like, if the person's not giving me like active feedback, I kind of get in my head a little bit. I'm like, no, 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 just you go step out of the way. This is fine. Let everything come through. And then we'll talk about it later if there's actually an issue. And usually it kind of helps, but yeah, imposter syndrome's intense. <laughs> yeah, that's such a, um, I'm glad that you shared that because I remember that for myself as well. And this is years ago when I woke up at like 26. And at that time, that was pretty young, but now a lot more people, even younger are waking up, which I'm so excited about because you can, you know, and then back in my day, it wasn't as easy to connect with other people, you know, younger people your age, but now with the technology, everything, there's like so many ways that you can connect with other young-ish people. Of course, there's even younger people, you know, teens and so forth that are waking up, but yeah, I find it really exciting. I think there's a lot of old souls that came in to the planet to hit the ground running during this time of great shift. What advice would you give for younger people that are waking up to their gifts? Honestly, the first thing I would say is learn how to trust yourself. A big thing that really helped me is journaling, taking time to really sit back and evaluate every aspect that I think is going on. Because I mean, as both of y'all know, the spiritual journey can you know feel a little bit like erratic and chaotic. Sometimes you feel like you're going insane. But finding the right community and like learning how to get involved and like taking those active steps in order to really work on yourself and like what you're actually feeling and moving through those things is probably the best advice I could give. But journaling has been a lifesaver. Anytime that I'm stressed out, I'll just sit there and like, why am I stressed out? You know, asking these questions, getting down to the bottom of it, try to keep it on a intuitive basis, but also very analytical because, you know, there's going to be some things hiding in there, which will lead to a little bit more shadow work. And then you just start taking those steps and those leaps to really understanding yourself. I think it's really interesting that you said um, a lot of younger people are waking up, a lot of old souls came to earth because I was re recently reading this book. Um, I think it was called The Fifth Root Race by Edgar Gacy, And it literally talked about, I think between, I don't, don't quote me on this because I don't quite remember exactly, but I think between the years 96 and 2005, there's supposed to be this like increase in like old souls, um, starseed souls and, you know, souls from everywhere else that have been through this kind of experience to come to earth and like help with this grand consciousness awareness and this arising type of energy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I might have to find that book. Cause I, I love Edgar Casey. Like I have a couple of his books and they're just, they're fascinating. They're sometimes they're a little bit of a tough read, you know, cause of the language, but yeah, he's, he's got some pretty awesome stuff. I have also noticed the exact same thing as you both are talking about is like there is this younger generation that is coming in and they seem to be a little bit more aware, at least from my point of view, because, you know, or, you know, comparing myself to them when I was their age, I, I was nowhere near where they're at with their level of awareness. And maybe it's partially because the world is a, a more connected place now. But mm -hmm. I do feel also like you do that 
it's a time where, you know, people are coming in with more awareness and they are coming in with this real deep desire to help. And I think the world will rapidly change as that continues to happen too. And, and I'm also really glad that we have you on because it seems to me that we have, we do have like an age bracket that we kind of nail, you know, and it's like, you might be the youngest. Uh, what do you think? Yes, I think they are actually, because uh, I can't think of anyone that was younger. So yeah, so it's exciting for us because we do want to reach out to a wider audience too, as well. I think we have younger listeners. And so, you know, just from things on our social media. So it's just nice to have younger guests that, you know, can relate to where they're at in their life. And going back again to like my experience at that point in my life, and then there wasn't anybody all my friends were like just interested in like conquering the world and making lots of money, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like rejecting all of that. And then I would go to these different, um, I was trying to find my tribe and I would go to these different kinds of spiritual things and really, really nice people were there, but they were like all like retired silver haired people and they were just at a different stage in their life. And so we could connect from a spiritual awareness, but not from like a stage in our life. And so I, I did really want to have other people to talk to who are at the same stage of my physical life. And so, yeah, I think it's great that, you know, if we have listeners that are around your age and they might be wanting to talk to somebody who gets, you know, the kinds of challenges and struggles that they have on the spiritual path in that age bracket, then yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. Love how you mentioned that as well. I know a big part that helped me with like the confidence aspect and really owning in on it was finding my tribe. I got really lucky because I feel like a lot of the people who I know now, even like the three roommates I have, I've all shared past life connections with them. And we kind of have vague memories of all of that type of stuff. But it was really cool to like have them in my space now. And for them to be around my age, I think we're all in enough of a good age bracket to where we can really connect. And all of us have this cool awareness to us where we can have these like really tough conversations when things are going rough with like ourselves. And, you know, we have each other to rely on and even small things like house chores, like all of us are conscious about our mess, our dishes, and then we'll talk about it. That way, you know, nothing ever piles up. So it's really nice because I've had a lot of really bad experiences with roommates. So that was a really good breath of fresh air. Yeah, you can talk about like the energy like in your space or something that somebody else you could other roommate you might not be able to talk about. Sorry, Paula Santwick the house. She said something's off. Like, all right, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool though. Yeah, because even my family sometimes gives me weird looks when I start, you know, too much saging or something like that. You know. (laughs) So on that same kind of idea, as because I'd like to ask everybody, and I kind of got away from it for a while, but. I'm wondering, you know, what are your thoughts about what's going on on the planet right now? It'd be interesting to hear your perspective about, you know, what you think about all the changes going on in the world and what is happening on a, I guess, on a global scale. Yeah, I think on the global scale, this is very much, for those who are familiar with tarot, it's like a tower moment. I think everything is purposely being destroyed. So much stuff is being brought up and brought to the surface for, you know, good and bad reasons. I feel like you can really take it either way, depending on how you look at it. But a big part of that is also the perspective. Um, I feel like all this pain and hurt as much as it sucks. And like, I'm I'm empathetic, so I can feel it, especially when I try to connect to the collective. But through all of that, there's this really powerful energy of, of just change, whether it's small or grand scale, all of it's supposed to be happening right now in order for us to rebuild um, ourselves as not only communities, but like on a global scale too. 
just for the better and just for to have a clear understanding of like, you know, how unified we actually are as people, as humans. Yeah, I like that you said the the tower card. The tower card was the one card in the tarot deck that always would like have me so more than death, more than the devil card. If I'd see the tower card, I'd be like shaking in my boots. But <laughs> I've been, you know, trying to make a better relationship with that card and and embrace it because when I look back on my spiritual journey, the tower moments are the ones that I had, you know, the greatest evolution through those. They're not fun to go through but they are there's always like a level up after going through that so I always like to describe it as you know the opportunity to evaluate the rubble you know the rubble that comes from the destruction in the tower see what fit you know incorporate those into the to the now to the present moment and then really learn how to build up from there but yeah absolutely it's totally a level up opportunity I feel like every time that I've gone through those tower moments I've always come out so much stronger and so much more confident and like you know really feeling who I am as not only a person in this physical world, but like as a soul and like where my place is, powerful moments. Yeah, seems seems like I've been having a few of those too recently. I, I think a lot of people have. I, I got an email from one of our past guests and she said that that was one of the first things she mentioned is that she was having a lot of clients come to her because they were going through some intense times in their lives. And um, I think it's you know pretty universal. I, I think that we have a tendency to kind of hide those things from our friends and even our family sometimes and just kind of like deal with them internally. But yeah, I've been going through some, some rough stuff and I think a lot of people are, you know, it's, it's just a weird chaotic time and I don't see any letting up either in the future. I think it gets more intense actually. It's, we have, it's, we're learning to adapt to, you know, all the unraveling and find our sense of stability and security within ourselves, not coming from the old outer structures that need to be cleared and released to create the new earth that we want to create. I was going to actually ask you, and you did mention this earlier that, you know, you actually had a client who gave you feedback and that was, that's who you referred to as your mentor. And I was wondering if you had any other instances with, or experiences, I guess, with clients that really stand out to you and that were memorable or had an impact on you? Absolutely. That very first one, she, her energy like rocked me to my core. It was my very first time going to a fair. That's actually how I met uh, your wife as well. But she was sitting next to me and I was in a room full of people who were two or three times my age, terrified of like, you know, would anyone really trust me to get a reading? So that whole imposter syndrome was very much setting in. But sure enough, she called me to my table or called me to her table and had me sit in front of her and told me, you know, read and just like asked me. And it was very blunt and very direct, which is something I kind of needed. But most definitely her being kind of one of the first people. And now I see her at the fairs and like, I, I love talking to her and like, she still gives me great advice. And she very much likes to teach me the traditional manners of how our practice should look. You know, being a Hispanic American, she really kind of incorporates that stuff when she's teaching me things, which I really appreciate because I, I don't have a formal teacher, you know. But besides her, there was also, I'm going to focus more on like the mentor aspect of things because there was this one time where I was going through like my own tower moment. I was just learning how to release a lot of the like addictive behavioral patterns and like, you know, why was I really wanting to go out and do that type of stuff? And then learning also how to release kind of like self-harm issues. But she ended up having me come over to her house and she did this huge Reiki session on me, told me everything that I kind of already knew, but just didn't have enough confidence or trust in. 
And she allowed me to really just be myself in that space. And I remember, I'll never forget it. Like the one affirmation she had me do was just saying like my name, my actual name and saying that I am who I am for a reason. And like just drilling that into me for like, I don't know, six or seven times until I actually believed it. And that was one of those huge big shifts where I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm really ready for this. Like, this is not just happening because I chose it to, but it's happening because the universe also, you know, wants me to go through this and heal from this type of stuff. But I've had countless clients who will give me some of the most insane feedback, like uh, another practitioner friend of mine, uh, she's had horrible problems with her root chakra, can never be grounded. She always like smokes a cigarette, which she, you know, this is not really the worst thing, but not great either. Anytime she needs grounding, she smokes a cigarette to help clear energy. Um, I could feel the like size of her root chakra. So I was doing Reiki work on her. And this was like in the middle of our fair. And she started getting nauseous and got really sick. And I, she told me later on, like that same night, she was like, on the toilet and like having a really hard time working with it. But she, since then she's felt a huge shift in her root chakra. And that was one of my favorite things to like hear that someone who I trust as a psychic, as an intuitive, as a, also a practitioner is also having these experiences, you know, that makes it a little easier for me to relate to them. Cause you know, I've gone through those type of things where like, I can't ground myself. I can't connect myself I mean, to be able to help and then see the progress that she's made from that super, super insanely cool. I'm so glad that you were bringing up this imposter syndrome, because again, I think if we are speaking to younger people who are waking up to their gifts, that's probably and really common. And it made me really reflect back when I started my practice. And so I was young-ish, like 26. And then I always looked a lot younger. I can remember now as you're talking, teaching a Reiki class and then I was wearing, cause I'm as, as I am right now wearing like a black top, I was wearing some black or maybe even all black. I don't know. And I remember somebody came and was like, you're not wearing all white. <laughs> I thought real Reiki masters only wore white, you know? And I can, when I think back to then I used to conform, like, so there was sort of this, like trying to be what I thought so then after that, I, I wasn't wearing black anymore for a while or, and, and I don't drink now, but I, I mean, I did back then. I remember being at a Super Bowl party and I was drinking some wine and then somebody came up to me like, oh, you're my Reiki master and you're drinking wine. And then I felt really like kind of ashamed or embarrassed. Whereas now I, you know, I don't drink because alcohol just doesn't resonate with my frequency anymore, but it doesn't matter because other people do on the spiritual path and it's okay. So all of these things, just the projections and the way it's supposed to be. And, and there's something to maybe even the way that things were in the past as well. There are traditions and even that, I think now as we move into the Aquarian age, all of those are kind of up for questioning. There's something beautiful about spiritual traditions and there is a stability and there is a certain purity of energy that comes through having a tradition, but then also we're in different times now. And so the origins of some tradition might've made sense for the energy then, and it might no longer make sense anyway. Over the years, I really like, I can't remember a definitive point where I chucked all of that out, like all of these projections and supposed to, but it organically started to happen. And, and now I just really think that, you know, the people that come to me are people who really enjoy my, my authenticity and yeah. me being comfortable in my skin. And when I teach a class, I'm not someone trying to be a teacher. I'm just like someone who's been on the path sharing with somebody else, you know, on the path. 
I think it's really important for young, <laughs> sorry, Tim and I are like, <laughs> for the young people, okay, we're not that old, but anyway, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, you know, the younger people on the path, I think it, it's a, anyway, it's a pitfall that maybe you have to go through, but hey, if I can share anything that might help, you know, to try to like step into a role and try to be what you think, that's where the whole spiritual ego can really, you know, come step in. And just for everyone to remember that you are a unique being, you are one of a kind. And the more that we connect to that through our spiritual connection, then we're here to do what we came to, which is just to be that unique being that no one else can be on the planet to radiate that light. And those who resonate with it will find us. Yeah. That's what I love too about the Aquarian age. Cause you know, a part of it, part of me feels like it's very much like that. I don't know. It's always a poor example, but the alien energy. I mean, personally, I look nothing like a lot of the practitioners. I have, you know, colored hair. I have a mullet. I have lots of piercings, lots of tattoos. I'm, I don't know, alternative dressed most of the time with a little hint of, you know, spiritual crystals in there. And that's definitely, I've always thought that'd be like a determinant. But as you said, like the right people always find you. Another thing I wanted to talk about too, you mentioned it is the drinking actually. So I've found that a lot of, a lot of people are focused on this like purity aspect. And I feel like it gets in the way of our practices a lot, like understanding that, you know, we are still human and it's okay to like sometimes go out and drink. If you don't do it all the time, who cares? You know, that's your own personal choice or like, you know, smoking cigarettes or, you know, marijuana, however it kind of looks for that particular person. But it was something that I was really hyper fixated on myself for a little bit, almost like a, like a negative health point standard. So focused on like cleaning out my entire body with all these like toxins that I thought I've been putting in there, but I felt like it created this lapse in me connecting to my physical self and my spiritual self. Cause then there was this like huge disconnection and I couldn't be grounded and in sync at the same time. It was very much just like a constant struggle. And then once I let go of that kind of egoic view of authenticity, I guess would probably be the best word, like you said, it made it much easier for me to be comfortable in being myself. Cause like, I don't really drink too much. I think in the past month or so I started drinking again and it's, nothing important or big. I'll have like one little seltzer and then I'll be like, this is enough. Like I'm tired of this already. So it's funny how it kind of interacts in there, but it's the same thing. Like I, at first, when I did that, I was very upset with myself. I was like, how dare I do this again? Like, why would I do that to myself? Especially given my past with addiction. Like I thought it was going to be this ricochet thing, but no healing through that made me realize that we're still human. Like it's okay to do these type of things. Like we're still having a physical experience in this reality. So why not have a little fun while you're doing it. Don't go crazy, but give yourself the opportunity to enjoy things, especially with friends and family in those social settings, like a Super Bowl or a party or something like that. Yeah. You made me think of, I went to this school back then, a spiritual school called Delphi, this metaphysical school. And I just loved, you know, the teacher taught a really great class. And at the end of the class, she went out and she smoked a cigar and she had a drink in her hand. And I remember, oh, being so shocked, like, oh my God, how could she do that? But it was really helpful to realize because this woman had been on the path for a long time and she walked, she, she walked her talk. And I agree that it's really about finding balance and, and, and really like we can alchemize anything as well. And everybody's where, where that balance point is going to be, is going to be unique for each person. I even think that's how I feel about what we eat, even that there's not like a one kind of diet. That's right. We all have different bodies and we have different energy systems. And so there's like no one size fits all. It's really for us to kind of tune in within ourselves. And even along the journey, different kinds of, you know, like when I think about just 
different diets or whatnot, what made sense for my body. It changed at different points. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. No, a big part of, uh, like, as far as diet goes for myself was reading about like Ayurvedic eating. I definitely am not strong on it now, but it's something that I'm like always consciously aware of. And that's one of the big things that I've kind of seen to shift in just like understanding my doshas and like how that plays a role in my actual energy and like how it all manifests on my outside world, depending on like what I eat. Cause like I am vegetarian now and that's pretty, pretty stuck for the past like three or four years, I think. And I ate meat once on accident that my partner ended up giving me dumplings and they had a uh, chicken in them. So I was terrified for a minute, but it's that same thing of like, Oh no, my body's impure. It's fine. How to get over that part. But I will say I've noticed a really big change when I was conscious of like how foods actually make me feel when I eat them, whether it's something as small as like, um, like tofu. I love tofu. It's not doing so with me anymore. So now I'm trying to cut it out, but it's those small things like having that awareness and like learning how your diet actually persists just as an individual, I feel like that like conscious awareness of yourself and your physical form really helps in, you know, moving past some of those blockages too. Yeah. I think diet is such an interesting topic too, when you're talking about your energy and your, even your spiritual spirituality, because, um, you know, people put, tend to put a morality on certain types of diets, but you know, that's not my personal view. But I do notice that, you know, certain, like you were saying, certain types of foods and, and when I ingest certain things, my energy definitely changes. And it doesn't just change at that moment. It changes for a while. I, I actually, I started to have like these feelings in my torso area when I would eat certain foods and it didn't feel like indigestion. It actually felt like energy. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, maybe something I'm putting in my body is like energetically not well with me. And so I, tr I changed it up a little and I don't have those feelings anymore. And I really do believe it, it was probably a combination of things, but I think it was what I was putting into my body at that time. And uh, yeah, the energy in my, in each and every person's body is going to flow differently because we're all unique. Like you said, I did, I do love something you said earlier is that alien energy, you know, where it's like, you know, these people, and I know, I get what you're saying too. It's like, you know, these people, you look at people, certain people and you just don't understand them and they don't understand you. And, and that's so much of what's happening right now in the world, right? Like there's all these people and they just don't get each other on some level, you know? And it's like, well, we are all different types of aliens. We are. It's so true. <laughs> And that's a perfect way to put it, you know, that alien energy. And, and that really is happening. Because sometimes I even look at my daughter and I'm like, are you related to me? <laughs> what planet are you from? <laughs> and and she's, you know, she's just in her own own world. So that's pretty cool. And, and, you know, there's also this idea of like what we are supposed to be like, you know, if we're uh, like here, you know, like if you do what you both do for a living, and that's your, your main goal is like to be of service and just to help the world in what way you can. Certain people take this idea of like what that's supposed to look like, but there's no, I, there's no real way of what anything's supposed to look like. You know, we always carry these conceptions about like what's right and what's wrong. And it reminded me of, um, you know, the Seth, there's these Seth books, it's all channeled material and it's some of my favorite channel material. And the person who channeled it is a woman and she used to have to drink a beer and I think she even smoked a cigar before she could channel because that put her into the right state and normally she didn't do that but that's what she needed to do 
And I always thought thought that was so interesting because some of the stuff that Seth would say, like the, the being that would channel through her, was very spiritual. It was like really higher consciousness ideas. And, and he also said something that always stuck with me is that his most spiritual life, because he, he would describe like some of the lives that he had on earth, his most spiritual life that he considered his most spiritual was when he was a homeless woman and he had 12 different children with 12 different men. And, and, he would li- and she lived outside and she would like curse the weather when it would go bad on her. And she just lived this like really authentic homeless person's life, I guess. And he found that that was his most spiritual life. So who are we to say that anyone else's life isn't spiritual, right? So when you hear something like that. You made me think, you reminded me of this one time. So I've been vegetarian since I was on my um, spiritual path, but I, I think again, everybody should just make their own choices. And right. one, like when people come to my Reiki class, it's happened more than once when somebody was like, do I have to become vegetarian now? And I was like, where would you get that idea? You do you, you know, if, if that's where you feel called great, but nobody, it's nobody's business. And I really do believe that, but I had, um, somebody contact me and asked me if I was vegan. And I told them I was vegetarian and they were like, Oh, I can't work with you. You're not pure enough. And I was like, okay. That's- oh, wow. <laughs> that's a little insane, but I, I mean, yeah. I guess I get it. I mean, like I mentioned earlier too, it's like this, there's this hyperfixation on purity and I feel like it's pretty prevalent within, within our like spiritual community. But at the same time, and I feel like the authenticity aspect will probably be more beneficial because then you're, you know, being there present as yourself and then you're able to give that healing or that lesson or that teaching or whatever you're doing to a more kind of, I don't know, adaptable skill, I guess, scale. Yeah. I mean, I know some, I know some really, really high consciousness carnivores and I know some very, you know, working through a lot of stuff, vegans. So there's, you know, certainly I don't think diet is like, the best yardstick for someone's um, consciousness. But yeah, I think, hey, we live in a time where, hey, whatever whatever you want to use to decide who you work with, that's that's your choice and that's okay. But yeah, just for, for people for themselves, whatever lifestyle choices you make should be coming from your authentic self from within you, not from anybody else's ideas or projections. And so again, particularly to bring the age back up, but you know, when we're young, we're still figuring ourselves out. And so it's much easier to be really influenced even by, we didn't even talk about this, but like, like social media and so forth as well. Like that's a big thing that wasn't there, you know, for Tim and I, when we were growing up. And so that's an interesting thing, how the mass consciousness can really influence people in that way that wasn't there before. Yeah. And it's also a really powerful tool at times for people to kind of start waking up because it brings a lot of awareness to things. Like you follow one Instagram post that leads to like your entire feed being filled with all sorts of different spiritual insights from, you know, astrologers, tarot readers, or just like basic information on grounding. It's pretty cool to kind of watch. I personally suck at social media and I need to definitely get more involved with that. Me too. (laughs) Definitely helped out in a couple instances because I'll just be doing something random, scrolling through my feed and I see something and I'm like, oh, wow, I really needed that today because like I'm really feeling this. So it's a good little message. I didn't want to ask both of y'all a question too, though. Um, It's something that I've been kind of like pondering. Have you felt like the more aware you're becoming, the higher vibration or however you choose to kind of distinguish that, that 
the energy that you start to feel becomes more intense. Like the one thing that kind of I was talking to my partner briefly about was how he wasn't as spiritual as he is now, but for the first time he's like feeling Mercury retrograde. And I was like, well, your awareness is going up, you know, your vibration is increasing. So you're going to be more permeable to these type of energies. Do you feel like that's kind of a thing that y'all have noticed in y'all's journey as well? For sure. Definitely for me, I had my first big spiritual awakening was in 98 um, and everything was beautiful. I always joke, you know, like rainbows and, and butterflies and unicorns. But then big spiritual awakening part two was in 2015. And that was Kundalini activation, dark night of the soul and so forth. And it was really that one that since then really intensely feeling things. And so, I mean, it kind of coincides because of course, like 2012, there, I was already feeling 2012, like the shift of the energy, having been, you know, working with Reiki all of those years, feeling the shift of the energy in the planet and how my sessions with clients definitely felt different from around 2010, 2012. But then for my personal journey, that spiritual awakening part two, which, you know, the dark night of the soul really will clear out some, you know, so much of your ego attachments. And so um, when that clears out and this energy is really flowing in through you, then you do feel things more deeply and intensely. And it, it is true like that um, the different, it's, it's helpful for me, even though I've not studied astrology to follow a lot of astrologers and hear their, you know, just kind of like see, not, not in a predictive way, but just, you know, to me, I always think of it as cosmic weather and just to be aware of the conditions so that I can just be aware of that and kind of do extra grounding if I need, or do extra clearing if I need, or not take things personally if I get triggered or those kinds of things. Yeah, for me, you know, I'm glad you asked us a question because we never get asked questions. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. I was like, oh, wow, good on you. You yeah. flipped it. Thanks, Tori. <laughs> anyway, of course. yeah, I think for me, I, I always had these perceptions that I have now, and I feel I don't feel like, like they're much stronger now. Like I, I didn't definitely didn't evolve more since I've been more spiritually aware. Um, at least that's the way I feel. But I think I always had perceptions and I, and I discounted them and I didn't trust them. And I thought, oh, that's something else. That's this or that's that. But now when I have a, an odd sensation or maybe a sound in my ear or maybe a thought, then I think, okay, this maybe coming from a different place. Like there may be some validity to this and I'm open to the idea now. So I think that's where the shift really happened for me was, you know, it wasn't that, you know, I, I evolved as, and I was, I'm different now. I think that it was always probably there and now I'm just more aware of it. And I, another reason I think that is because um, before I really started to think about anything spiritual in a real serious way, I used to have a lot of nightmares and, and they were really intense and they would happen all the time. And after I never have nightmares now, after I became like aware of my higher self and I really took it serious that there is another part of me that doesn't exist in this physical world, I stopped having nightmares completely. And I believe it was my higher self trying to tell me, listen, please, like, list, please listen. It was just like, doing everything it could to get my attention. And so now that it has my attention, it doesn't need to do that anymore for me. So, and I, I used to think they were a bad thing, but they were actually a good thing. It was like me trying to contact me, you know, like, Hey, like, yeah. wake up, please. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel. But 
I, I kind of want to go back for a second to something you said earlier, because kind of piqued my interest was you, you had this session with a woman and you said you really helped her root chakra and she gave you that feedback, right? So I'm wondering like to both of you, like how often does that happen? Do you get feedback from a client? I, I bet it doesn't happen that often because I'm thinking like whenever I have a session, I don't really go back and tell them like, oh, this is how much this helped me, you know? So I'm wondering if that's kind of like a rare thing or not. That was one thing that I was taught when I was first starting with Reiki as well, was that we're not supposed to ask for anything and like return for any reassurance or confirmation. You know, there's this level of like blind trust that the universe will take over what we couldn't. But I I have a couple of people who are um, repeats, I guess, repeat customers, clients, repeat students who see me often. They'll give me small snippets of feedback. They'll say like, yeah, this thing shifted or like what you said came true. This is how I worked through it. And like, that's their shift is like learning how to actually work through that in the present moment instead of like, you know, holding it in. But yeah, I don't think feedback comes back far too often unless I'm with them in like a more like frequent pace. Yeah, I mean, I've practiced for so many years now. I have, you know, my story because I teach Reiki and then I have the stories that I tell my teaching stories from feedback. But it's been, of course, over so many, you know, I've probably, I'm sure I've worked over a thousand people giving Reiki at this point. So yeah, if you think of like over the, all of that, how many, what's the number? Yeah, it's not everyone. And like you said, uh, Tori, when I teach Reiki, what I, I tell my students is at the end of the session, we don't ask, how was it? Which is like, yeah, wanting that <laughs> feedback. But we do ask, I, I like to ask, what did you experience, if anything? And I, I intentionally word it that way to let them know, one, it's okay if you didn't experience anything. And I already give them pre-talk beforehand that you may or may not feel something, but you can still get benefits, whether it's here on the table or later on, the Reiki can you know work in its own way. But the reason why I ask after each session, what did you experience is because I found some people experience things that they think are really weird. And it's just a chance for them to process what they experienced and if needed for me to reassure them. So people will say like, by asking that question, like one time someone said, oh my God, all this anger that I have towards my boss came up and he looked really like embarrassed, like, oh my God, um, is that normal? Is that okay? I was like, oh, that's great. All the, you know, emotion that you've been pushing down is trying to come up to clear. And so I do ask them what they experience, not for me to like evaluate it, but to let them process their own experience. And then just to reassure them if they are like worried or, or anything like that. And then I do tell them afterward, because of course the energy continues to move. And so people will have sort of a healing sign maybe later that night sometimes, or the next day or two days later. So I always tell them if you do have some kind of up and down, you know, something might be clearing later. And if that's the case, it's always good to do extra grounding and explain what grounding is. And then I do tell them, you know, feel free to reach back out to me if you need extra support after the session. And so I think by leaving that door open, then maybe there are more people that reach back. But yeah, I don't ask like, you know, how is it, you know, on a scale of one to five <laughs> with one being horrible and five, you know, not like that, but like just really as a way to like support them and to kind of hold a container for them to process their own experience. 
I often will ask at the very end of sessions, like I like to think of it as like a little debrief. And it's like, how are you feeling? Did you feel anything? Anything come up during the session? And you're right. It does give us opportunity to kind of talk about it and go in depth a little bit further. Cause there's been a couple of times where like, they will mention something kind of interesting to say the least, or like something that came up that they like are really unsure of what to do with um, specifically usually happens with some of my clients who are um, clairvoyant. So they start having really vivid images um, of things either moving or colors and I'll describe like what I did and maybe see if it'll coincide with what I was doing at that moment. A lot of times they're actually viewing me working on the chakras. The same color that I'm channeling will be what they're seeing in their third eye. And it's really interesting to hear that feedback, but then that gives them the restraints of like, oh, wow, like this is working. Like I am taking all this energy in and like, I can do this. Like this is helpful for me too. Yeah. How wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cause I remember one time, you know, your spiritual meetup that you used to have in person, there was a, there was a person there and they described that they went to a woman who gives hugs and she's like a miracle worker woman mm-hmm. and she travels. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's her, what, who is, what's her name? Her name is Alma, and and we do have it in person again, Tim. But anyway, get going. <laughs> oh, awesome! Okay, cool. I'll, I'll have to go. So yeah. okay, so Alma gave him a hug. Like you have to get in this super long line for hours to get a hug. Mm-hmm. She gave him a hug, and he went and sat down, and he said that he had like an explosion from his throat chakra, mm-hmm. and I thought that was so cool. But Alma would never know, right? Like, because he's never going to be able to tell her something like that. But I'm, I'm sure she doesn't care. But still, it's like, I would want to know, you know, <laughs> it's just me, I guess. Sounds like from what I've heard, but I've never experienced her personally. But like, maybe Alma does know, though, because she's maybe enlightened. <laughs> but, but for the rest of us, yeah. So when, you know, at least with Reiki, it can be different with other types of practices. But with Reiki, um, the way that I was taught and the way that I practice and teach is just that Reiki's the healer, not me. I'm just the pure conduit. And so it's about really developing a trust relationship with Reiki. And every time then I trust Reiki and I know Reiki's got this person and what they need versus like something else like hypnosis, where I'm guiding them with the words that I say and the choices that I make. And so it can be different according to what kind of practice you do, whether it's important to get that kind of feedback. But yeah, every time you do a session, you know, I think, and I like that your business, it's called Cosmic Intentions. Is that right? Right. right? Okay. Yeah. I I think intention is so important because so every day, like, you know, when I start my day at work and I connect spiritually and I ask to be a conduit of the highest good for each person that I work with, and then I trust, of course, that's how the divine works for the highest good. And when I open myself and like you said, Tori, like just let my ego step to the side and trust and let myself be that pure conduit. And then I know each person, the highest good is going to happen for them because that's how spirit works. It doesn't always look how our personalities and egos want it to look. And so it's really helpful. Um, you probably already do this, Tori, but I always teach this when I teach Reiki, that pre-talk is so important because if you set people's, give them realistic expectation and let them know that spirit works in their highest good, not always the way they think it's supposed to, and try to let them align focused on their highest good rather than a, a very rigid or specific expectation, but more of a just intention that really helps to kind of help people put their mindset in the right place. And so I had to kind of learn that through years of experience, how important it is that if I give that talk ahead of time and help people align and have realistic intentions, then they can also be a better conduit for their highest good. 
I love that you said that too, because you're absolutely right. Sometimes it does not manifest with how we think it will be, especially when it comes to Reiki healing, because like it is, it's unearthing a lot of things that the subconscious and the physical form is like holding on to. You bring that to the surface, no matter how it's getting processed, I've had things go horribly wrong, quote unquote, you know, just not in a positive manner or how we would perceive it to be positive in that that situation. But yeah, you're right. It's really cool to kind of hear that too, because there's been a couple of times where people have come back to me and be like, this horrible thing happened. And I'm like, well, how do you feel now? I was like, well, I'm not dealing with it anymore. Like, I'm not even worried about it. And I was like, right, so it's gone. So it's released. So, you know, we did a lot of hard work. Yes, that moment sucked. Pay some gratitude to it. We did it. Like that part of that journey is over. We've helped kind of heal that aspect. Now what's next for us? And so it was an exciting, like, and then what? So I love this. <laughs> And I've had people reach out to me that had Reiki from someone else. And they were like, I think they gave me bad energy. And I would be like, well, why did you, why, where did you come to that conclusion? And they would say, oh, because later on I felt sad or later on I got a stomach, you know, and I was thinking like, oh, that might've just been a healing sign, you know? So there's no way because I wasn't there and I don't know the other practitioner. I don't know what happened, but I always tell them, you know, it's possible that that was something clearing out versus, you know, someone giving you bad energy because Reiki doesn't have bad energy. It's either somebody saying they're doing Reiki and they're not doing Reiki, or it might be that it's just a, you know, misunderstanding of how the energy works. And so again, like I find like, it's so important if we, because all of these things, they're becoming more commonplace, but they're still not fully mainstream. Even though in my life, I live in this little Reiki bubble where everyone I meet does Reiki and it's wonderful. But of course, that's not true for the general population. And so we have to be become great ambassadors of what we do. Like I love traveling all over the world. And every time I do, I end up meeting people and they always ask me, what do I do? And then I always find that I'm becoming kind of an ambassador for these things. And I think like if we explain them well, and then we help people to understand, then it's not so scary and not so weird. And so, yeah, it really helps do a good service to help people know beforehand that it might, I've, I had somebody like actually last year, I had some of the most intense Reiki sessions where I had somebody vomit. <laughs> that was the first time ever that that happened. I had somebody have like pain their whole session, things that all these years had never happened before. And so, you know, kind of going back to your question before Tori, like it is really kind of hard to know, like how much of how more intensely I'm experiencing things, how much of that is from the collective shift and how much of that is from my own individual shift. And does it even really matter? Because of course I'm a piece of the whole, but I have really noticed in 2021, a real amplification of people experiencing a lot more intense things that are not comfortable, like anxiety and sadness during the, the session while they're on the table and then physical things. And so to let people know beforehand that uh, uncomfortable things can come up, but it's part of cleansing and clearing the energy. And on the other side of that, it can feel much better. Then they're not like freaking out, like, what did this person do to me <laughs> during the session? Yeah, it's it's like you said earlier, Tori, you know, it's like a leveling up when when that when you go through that. And you know, someone else said that too. It was our uh, homeopathic person that was on um, Lizzie, Lizzie. Martinez. Lizzie. Yeah, she said that when you go through an illness, it's like an opportunity for you to level up. And so it's actually, you know, not a, a negative thing. It's, it can be a positive thing. So I always like to look at, at it that way. 
And, you know, I, I also like, I just want to say, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, you took the time to talk with us because you're a really unique person and you, you're living a unique lifestyle, you know, doing what you do and helping people the way you do. And uh, you kind of are stepped outside of the, the cultural norms. And, and I love that. I, I love people who do that, who have the courage to do that, because it takes a lot of courage. It does to, to live the way you live and, and uh, to trust, to trust the universe that everything's going to be fine. And because I come from a perspective where it's very hard for me to trust. So I stay within the norms a lot of times because of that. And, and it's, it's starting to work itself out in my, in my life now. You know, I'm kind of realizing that I can trust and live the way other people live with trust like that. And, um, you know, it's kind of like stepping beyond the illusion, you know, <laughs> you have to drop that in there because no, the last time I dropped that in there. Yeah. You said it last time. So. I had to say it. Um, but also, yeah, I'm just really, you know, happy to talk to someone like you because you're living your true life. You're, you're being true to yourself. And my question for you right now is what kind of advice could you give to other people who are maybe thinking about doing what you do or, or maybe thinking that they need to make a change in their life? Is there anything that you could say to them? I mean, it's probably the, the poorest thing to say, but trust trust that everything is happening for a reason, you know, no matter if it's a dark night of the soul, some shadow work that's coming up, you know, the crappiest of things manifesting in your physical reality, just trust that all of it's working out in your favor. The universe will never give you something to handle that is not meant for you. You know, that karmic lesson, that obstacle, whatever you're having to jump through is going to happen no matter what, if it's now, it'll be later. So take advantage of it while it's in front of you. Um, Allow yourself to really step into your own power and, Trust that the universe will have your back through every single obstacle that you may place, whether or that may be placed in front of you, whether it's financial, educational, physical, however it may be happening. That blind trust gets you really, really far. And a lot of what's helped me through it is just remembering that this is my reality. I'm living it. I'm going to make the best of what I can. And the universe really just provides from there. I really love our conversation and just... Yeah, everything that you had to share and your perspective. Um, I do want to ask you, because we didn't, a lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about what you do. And I saw you do a lot of different things. And I did want to just give you a chance if there's something that you want to highlight um, that you do or an event or anything like that. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. So um, I'm stepping more into a teaching role now. I'm still going to be doing my readings and my healing because that's like where my passion is. But I'm leading like the... uh, spiritual development, the foundational work. So that's going to be a new thing that I'm pushing out more. I'm trying to develop a level two where we get more into past life stuff and like learning how to heal trauma and shadow work a little bit deeper of an experience. Also am increasing my modalities. Um, So I really want to talk about that too. Uh, I'm in massage therapy school. So I'm really learning how to bridge the gap between the physical and the spiritual experience. It's something I really focus on now for myself. So I'm hoping to do that for other people, whether it's through like working through muscular tissue or feeling the energy of it and allowing that to release a little bit more naturally. But yeah, teaching is going to be where this will be long term. So hopefully I'll be able to teach Reiki such as yourself soon. It's kind of one of my big goals. I teach like um, through doTERRA, which is an essential oil company that I uh, work with. I'm doing the aroma touch technique, which is a really fun little uh, practice that allows you to incorporate aromatherapy into your practice. Uh, so I'll be leading that towards the end of the month. That'll be like the 28th. So hopefully we can get some people to sign up for that. There's going to be a practicum that we're teaching. 
going to be a lot of fun, especially if you are just getting into energy medicine, you don't have any experience, you know, no Reiki or anything is needed. It's just you, your hands, because, you know, we all have healing power within us, just learning how to use that. And is all of that information on your website? Yes, it'll be on my website. Awesome. Can you tell us and our listeners what your website is? Yes, the website's going to be cosmicintentionsatx.one. So O-N-E. All right. Yep. I've been seeing those dot one domains. I haven't. I was like, wow, what is that? I'm so behind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty cool. I love them for the spiritual website too, because it just shows like that unity in there. So I was like, perfect. Plus it was cheaper of a domain to purchase. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Tori, for taking the time to talk with us. It's a really great conversation. Yeah. Thank you guys. I really appreciate the time y'all spent with me today. It was really fun. No problem. That's fun. Yeah. Thanks. You're like the poster child for the Aquarian age. Oh, I'll take it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Tori for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing their gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to find out more about Tori or book a session with them, you can go to cosmicintentionsatx.one. That's cosmicintentionsatx.one. Thanks to everyone that made this podcast possible. This podcast was produced and hosted by Tim Howe and Tiana Roser. Music by Casey Henson. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast, remember to subscribe and leave a rating. This will help other people find us. Take care.